Welcome to Voices of the Valley, a series interviewing growers, entrepreneurs, educators, and technologists who are inventing new solutions for today's and tomorrow's challenges on the farm. Brought to you by Reedley College, educating the next generation of agriculturalists in advanced technology, efficient production practices, and food safety. Now here's your hosts of Voices of the Valley, Dennis Donahue and Candace Wilson. This is Dennis Donahue, and welcome back for another episode of Voices of the Valley. And I'm joined again by uh, my good friend, Candace Wilson. And Candace, great to see you. Always a pleasure, Dennis. How are you today? Good. And I think this one's kind of a, this is a little different, but a really critical conversation with a lot of the things we've been talking about over the past several months, uh, you know, ag tech in general, and, you know, how do you advance the ball upfield and, uh, you know, the really important role of education. So I'm, I'm delighted to uh, welcome uh, somebody who's really become a good friend over the last couple of years, Dr. Jerry Buckley, who is the president of Reedley College. So doctor, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the invitation, Dennis. I'm glad to be here. And, uh, and, and, and Candace and I are particularly pleased to, to welcome you because we are looking forward to having Reedley College be, uh, be our sponsor for the next half year. So thanks for that. And thanks for your commitment to, uh, you know, kind of spreading the word and uh, promoting good conversations and about this, about this topic. So uh, thank you for that as well. Good. Well, let's, let's get started. Doctor, why don't we, you know, I'm always intrigued when you and I talk about your background and I think it kind of speaks to uh, wherever you can involve the uh, private sector in something. It it really contributes to, uh, you know, perhaps a way of looking things and and getting things done. So let's just start with uh, your background and how did you end up being the president of uh, good old Reedley College? I mean, you had to know Josh Allen was going to graduate at some point and there wasn't going to be another one. So you certainly didn't. I mean, you you may have gone for the football, but I'm pretty sure that's not why you stayed. Yeah, actually, having gone to USC, football is part of my DNA, I guess you could say. Um, I was in my undergrad years back in the early 70s. I won't say how early, but let's just say that uh, I pursued a couple of degrees in biology and went to work in the healthcare industry in my early days. Uh, between the mid-70s and uh, late 90s, I worked uh, up through the, the system, if you will, to the point where I was actually doing uh, investigational research, working with a lot of medical products companies and looking at investigational devices and how they came about. And I was kind of intrigued with uh, the whole process that was governed by the federal government and how they basically uh, required certain degrees of testing on devices to bring them to market. So it was interesting to look at the relationship between uh, universities, private companies, and hospitals, which were actually the proving grounds for a lot of the devices that we ended up uh, working with. So that was my early experience. Um, From 1990 on, I entered teaching at Grossmont College and uh, actually taught in the classroom in the uh, medical arts. I taught everything from pharmacology to medical imaging and uh, normal and abnormal anatomy and physiology. So that was the early days, and I worked my way up the ladder until basically I arrived here at Reedley three years ago as president. And along the way, I developed quite an interest in uh, workforce development and regional economic development as well. So I did that uh, down south in my uh, last assignment at College of the Canyons in North LA County and worked with the the South Central Coast region and some of the same things that we're doing now in agriculture. So question for you, and just, uh, you know, touching on everything you just said, and, you know, before we got on air, we talked about how this whole conversation of skill development, how we shift ag tech from a push to a pull and accelerate adoption. Is the California community college system somewhat unique in the sense that it's really positioned to, you know, kind of the traditional students who are, you know, uh, just started getting started in their work and educational lives and then, and then wanting to retrain people? Or is, is this, uh, 
what we do in California, because you and I, and we'll talk about this later, we, you know, with our Karen Ross project, really felt that community colleges were this just this really unique intersection. Is, is that true across the board, nationally, globally, or is the California community college system kind of unique? I would say that across the country, community colleges are one of the best kept secrets that we've had. Specifically in California, you may or may not be aware of the fact uh, due to 72 districts and roughly 116 colleges supporting 2.1 million students every year, we are the largest system of education in the country. And in many cases, uh, depending on how you slice the information up uh, around the world as well. What we've been known for is really two predominant areas. One is skills development for workforce. And the second, of course, is transferring students to senior institutions and actually saving them probably half of what they'd have to invest to get a baccalaureate degree. On the the workforce side of the equation, we are very, very good at what we do thanks to uh, prior systems that have been put in place over the past 10 years. We've been working under a a strong workforce funding model that actually has uh, channeled a great deal of investment into the development of new curriculum, purchasing of good capital equipment that is industry standard, allowing students to train on modern technology that represents what they find when they go to work. So... So, you know, if, if your industry looking for adoption, acceleration, identifi- identification of skills, knowing, you know, you can do one thing in the boardroom, but you, you still have to function in, in the field, obviously the community college system make, makes a lot of sense. But I'm, I'm just thinking back to your original, when you were talking about your background, you know, your, your direct experience in medical devices, is, is that a model we should be looking at a little more closely? I certainly think so. And I believe that's uh, represented in this most recent regional grant we submitted to the Department of Commerce in the form of an EDA grant. I believe we're rapidly adopting that same kind of model where we're working locally here with the University of California, Merced, and also Fresno State, as well as eight other colleges uh, in the area to really help with what I call technology transfer. The idea that they have the thought leaders that develop the new concepts They bring those concepts out to our community colleges, many of which have farms here in the Central Valley or processing plants or simulated processing plants in addition to logistics training. And you can literally take these new ideas and put them in place and invite the local industry partners in to see them firsthand and figure out what's going to work and what won't. If it's not going to work, how can you make it better or move on to a different idea altogether? So by having sandboxes at our local colleges where you can get our local teachers, our local growers, packers, and shippers, as well as the thought leaders together in one spot, I think you're going to see that same kind of, if you will, transfer of information that we did see and still see in the medical device industry currently. Can we take a step back also and talk about how the collaboration with Western Growers and really kind of started and how you guys are supporting each other? Well, you know, I think uh, part of it goes back to what... uh, Dr. Buckley said, you know, from a, well, skill development, economic development standpoint, we have mutual uh, patrons, uh, you know, so uh, I always like to tell people that if you're really trying to figure out uh, the stone fruit world or uh, or Main Street, Central Valley, you know, look no further than either Mountain View or Manning Avenue, because that's where the the stone fruit, you know, citrus, table grape crowd uh, congregates, you know, as you move through through the valley, it's big and it's huge. And there are other areas of emphasis, but really is a really unique intersection. So just working closely from an innovation standpoint with the uh, with some of our friends, whether it's HMC, Mountain View, Booth Ranches, uh, just the reality is just a lot of their day-to-day activities are intertwined with their local education. And, and really college was just, I mean, it's just, it's just part of the mix in terms of how they do business. So, the, you know, I th- so I think one thing led to another and, uh, you know, Jerry can certainly speak to uh, the ag tech interest and how that that's evolved. But, uh, you know, what really became clear to me 
And, and this was really what kind of things that really planted the seed for the Karen Ross event that we're doing. But, you know, if there isn't a skilled workforce and we're in a in quote unquote a hurry, which sounds like no matter how big a hurry you're in, you know, you can only go so fast, of course. But if we didn't have the right workforce. Things were not going to happen at the rate we needed them to do. So just one thing led to another. And uh, I just got to know a number of people at Readly. They were very supportive of our events you know, promoting networking, getting growers and entrepreneurs together. And so, so really that, that really was kind of the genesis for when Karen and I said, Hey, let's work together for a year and let's, let's make community colleges kind of uh, the setting for these conversations. So that's kind of it for my end, Jerry, I'll, I'll let you uh, kind of well, fill it in. I, I appreciate you setting the table that way, uh, Dennis, because when I arrived here, I found that we had a lot of uh, local growers that were very interested in taking that next step, that they realized that, as you mentioned, the workforce was shrinking, that the technology and automation available was increasing almost logarithmically, but they didn't have the workforce to utilize it effectively. So they saw an intersection that really uh, crossed our campus. And, And yes, Reedley as a college is located on class one soil. We've got 300 acres of farmland. We are surrounded by many of the largest growers in the valley. And so we set about pulling that talent together and engaging in conversations about how we could create pilots for new educational modules that might uh, support them better. And so, as you know, some of those classes uh, in the form of contract education were actually put in place this year, ironically, just as we began talking about taking the concept to scale across a larger uh, group of growers, packers, and shippers across the central portion of the Central Valley. And so it was this timing. But as I've said many times, in order to take an idea to scale, you have to have partners. And certainly Western growers arrived on the scene at just the right time to be able to take an early concept and translate that into, as you know, the ag tech conferences that have been happening at Hartnell and here at Reed Lean, certainly down south in the Imperial Valley as well. So I think all of this has just happened through economic pressure, through the workforce demands of the area in the state of California. It's been good timing. It's also been, I think, very uh, fortunate that we've had people interested in pulling together and working on these problems together. And I, I think, frankly, the, the recent visit I just finished to the federal government back in Washington, D.C., seems like all the offices there in terms of Department of Commerce and Department of Agriculture, Department of Labor, they all see the value in these sorts of large-scale collaborations. So they're sometimes hard to pull together, as you all know, because people have uh, competitive interests. But when you can all come together under the same banner, which is really trying to do more with less in this case, whether it's climate change, reducing access to water, or whether it's the issue of the workforce, all of this comes together into one particular opportunity where we can figure out how to be more effective by infusing technology. And in particular, what we commonly refer to as STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. We get more students involved in agriculture from those most traditional STEM areas and what I call interdisciplinary education. Now we've really got something going for the next generation of graduates from our college, while we also go out into the fields and actually offer training to the existing workforce, which in many cases, as you know, are considered to be family members of the owners of those operations. Although the workforce may be shrinking, those people that they do have employed are very important to them. And so to be able to upskill the existing workforce, while we also train the next generation workforce, are equally important goals for us. Well, and you know, that was the other thing is there was nothing abstract about any of these growers' interest in uh, Ridley College. You know, that's where the workforce comes from, to your point. And so it just, fortunately, relationships had been developed and, and events and networking and that type of thing. Uh, so things fell into place, but it was a hard need and Ridley was coincidentally the right spot. That, that's, that's for sure. Kind of just building on that, one of the, you know, we so often 
have conversations about what the next generate the skills of the next generation. Maybe Dr. Buckley, can you give us a little bit from your perspective, what the evolution of those skills has looked like? And if you think about a program for agriculture 10 years ago, how's the profile of the next generation starting to shape up? Well, it's interesting because when you look at uh, the development of autonomous vehicles, when you look at the use of drones, and by the way, drones aren't just flying devices, they can be on the ground as well. And then you look at the issue of the infusion of biology into the equation where we're using microbes to replace pesticides and to enhance nutrient absorption in plants and trees. All of this is kind of coming together at the same time. But probably most important in Central Valley right now is the issue of utilizing small area networks and the idea of having probes that can be put in the soil to basically determine moisture content and really have a very, very carefully uh, data sourced distribution of water, which is the single most important resource we have right now. It's diminishing, as we all know. So to be able to use many of these aspects of data science and technology to uh, literally deliver just the right amount of water at just the right time is going to make the difference between either keeping about a million acres in production or shutting it down. And that's the key issue right now is how much arable uh, land can we keep in production based upon conservation of water and and, uh, allocation of water resources to the best advantage. You you know, I'm struck by your your trip to to Washington and, and as you alluded to, there's, you know, there's a lot of interest when you try and work together to create a collaboration, you know, and I think back on, uh, you know, when we did our event last, last August and, you know, when we put it together in the spring, you know, we, we didn't think the COVID issue would be the, the issue that it was and it ended up being a challenge, but uh, fortunately we were able to pull it off. And frankly, there was a direct benefit of the fact people were there together, talking together and, uh, you know, I'm not sure there would have been as many people on that trip to Washington. And uh, so I think there was an opportunity to see the big picture and, and, and really have, uh, have the growers weigh in. So and you capitalized on that well. Western growers acted as a force multiplier in that messaging. And that was critically important to getting us where we are today. And, you know, it takes that where you have an overarching organization that can carry a common message and bring people together. And I think your ability to convene that particular group of talent in the panels that we had the chance to experience and, and uh, interact with, well, it made a huge difference. You're correct in that. Well, and certainly uh, it sounds like if it's successful, there's going to be the right people at the table and the, the right resources. And uh, obviously, if you're looking to move uh, move faster and everybody is, uh, hopefully things are teed up for some success there. So we, we're certainly cheering for uh, uh, a good outcome from your Washington visit. Thank you. I'm super curious, what are the roles and the people that you engage with at the state and federal level? How do the community colleges get support and for particular programs and initiatives? Well, we certainly work through our uh, systems office, the uh, state chancellor's office for our 116 colleges, but we also directly engage with our electeds. So actually, I feel like I had some unfair training in my background because when I joined College of the Canyons, it wasn't just the college, it was the entire community that had a bus trip to Sacramento once a year. And in fact, every three years, they had a flight back to Washington, D.C., where they actually advocated with their electeds in Congress and the Senate as well. So I got to experience both of those in the North L.A. area and became far more comfortable with it. I think the point is we are part of a fairly large organization where each year the CEOs get together and we actually develop our own slate of priorities for advocacy. It usually focuses on funding. For example, this last year, we even had a Central Valley caucus of community college CEOs that really continued the drumbeat about expanding internet access to our rural areas. It's hard to have quality education these days if you don't have access to internet, if you don't have technology to access that internet resource. 
So we commonly come together and talk about things that influence our region, our communities, and of course, at the larger scale, the entire state and the economic growth of all of those entities. I want to pick up on something Candace asked you about. You know, we tend to, and in fact, you know, we've got an event, the third stop with the Karen Ross tour coming up. And, you know, we typically kind of run, you know, run the trap line of, okay, hey, industry, tell us what the skills are that we're going to need. And okay, education, workforce development, tell them what you're going to do about it. You really have turned into, you know, moving around the state, one of the leaders in terms of trying to figure out an innovative way to connect industry with students. Has any of what we're all working on made a direct impact on the students? Are they figuring out college whiz ag is going to be a more robust and uh, more diversified career than, than you think? And do you have a sense of how students are responding to the message and the future that we think exists? Uh, how are we doing? I'd say we're a little early to get the final tally on students, but I'll say this. The industry response when we had our industry convening about selecting a regional advisory, you know, we all have local advisories on the various programs that we introduce and, and support over time. But to have a regional advisory that might have, let's say, 50 to 100 different companies represented, that's impressive to see the turnout of industry, as well as when we had our faculty convening, we had almost 100 faculty from eight colleges show up start talking about this. This is a combination of STEM faculty and traditional ag faculty. So if you think about that, where in California, curriculum is built by faculty. You know, they have primacy on that based upon a certain law that was introduced back in the late 80s. So that's an early indicator for me of success. I will say that those students that I've spoken with that are actually out in the field, literally uh, working in the various classes that we offer, are very excited to get more opportunity to work with technology. I know that here at, at Reedley, we've had the borough brought out and demonstrated. You're familiar with that technology. I know that our Dean of Career and Technical Education, David Clark, and Nancy Gutierrez, our lead faculty member who has been the, the head of the uh, Strong Workforce Program for Agriculture statewide, has been very good at connecting with our local innovators and startup companies to bring that technology to the campus. So I, I think the interest is certainly there. What we're lacking, and I heard this at the recent uh, CATA convention where you know faculty came together to talk about ag and ag technology, we don't yet have the package built as far as what does the certificate look like and how will that be layered on on top of the existing hours that are required to get a certificate or degree in the various agriculture specialties as it is. So a lot of that you know, fine tuning is really what this big grant's about, getting faculty to sit down together and create a standardized curriculum between eight colleges, which in my mind, once we do that for eight colleges, you can take that statewide. And I know you've also been uh, a big proponent of uh, some physical infrastructure, the easy phrase being a makerspace, that, that sort of thing. And obviously, you know, several miles up the road, you, you've got that in, in, in Fresno, but as you and I have discussed you know, just the reality is if you're in the game and after a hard day's work, you're not necessarily thinking about, I'm going to run up to Fresno to uh, stop skill. We got we to we keep this a little closer to where, where we live. Talk about your vision for uh, makerspaces and where you, where you see all that heading. Well, I think the key issue is we can have our universities getting together in a think tank environment to create the initial design and prototype of a device. But it's important that you be able to take that device or that technology or that concept out where it's physically going to be used. And think about the variety of soil types and many other variables in farming across the Central Valley. It's good to not just stop at one location. How about a number of different locations that represent different subclimates and you know, ecosystems for that matter? and try it out under various conditions. So if you think about the two senior universities, uh, UC Merced, as well as Fresno State, 
And then you think about in our EDA grant, we've got Merced, we have ourselves, we have you know, College of the Sequoias, we have West Hills. You have a number of different environments in which you can take these devices and actually try them out and have the local growers weigh in. So if you want to think about it as having the opportunity to have focus groups, evaluate the technology. And then if you have the technology on hand, as you're mentioning, like a makerspace, where you can take the device and actually either repair it or upgrade it in some way on site, rather than taking it back to Fresno or to Merced for repairs or redevelopment. I think that's a time saver. It really, number one, gets all the different leaders in the ag cluster working closer together. And I think the, the key to success, which I certainly saw in interventional device design and implementation. It's really getting that team of surgeons, nurses, technicians, while working with the engineers to give appropriate feedback. I know it works because I was part of that. So, you know, you mentioned the groups that, uh, of educators that get together. You know, we've spent a lot of time typically on these stops with the FFA and that sort of thing. And they're, and they're, they're some terrific teachers at the, at the high school level. They also have their hands full. And uh, is the community college system where uh, just it's going to be a little more dynamic and easier to respond to changes in technology? I certainly hope so. As I mentioned, the participation of our faculty across the campus in that first convening, and actually we've had a second one since, I believe that is a good demonstration of interest yeah. in truly moving this forward. I think the other thing to bring out here is your point about high schools and FFA. And by the way, we just had our April FFA competition here on campus. I'm so happy to actually see some of the kids from my old stomping grounds. We had Lakeside and we had Ramona represented in a statewide group of kids from all over the state. So it was kind of fun to see that again coming out of the pandemic. Yeah. But the, the real critical issue here is called dual enrollment. The fact we can take college level courses and push them down into high school. And whether it's a middle college high school environment or actually just dual enrollment taken during the high school day, at any site that wants to participate, we have the ability to roll down not just traditional ag, which has been out there for a long time, but once we get these courses designed and refined, we can start teaching some of the technology certificates out there as well. Well, that's certainly worth noting because we think coursework and you know spreading throughout the state as quickly as possible is part of the mix. And I like the dual enrollment. You know, those are just simply the subtleties that we need to be aware of as industry. Is we'll be visiting you know as we finish up over the next couple of minutes, but. What do we need to know in industry if we're developing a strategy or asking the right questions to be a partner? How should we be thinking about this? Well, I think one of the key issues for me as a, an educator for the past 32 years, I know from my early days in the classroom that I can teach theory all day long, but it doesn't make any sense to a student until they actually go out and put it to use. So the bookend to classroom learning is always that practical experience. In this case, either through an internship or an apprenticeship. So where partners need to, to actually help us in two ways. Number one, you mentioned how do we basically meet people's schedules? Well, if we're talking about upskilling farm workers, we need to be able to meet them where they're working. They're not going to drive an hour to get down here to Reedley to take a class and then drive an hour to get home. We need to be able to address classwork for them in the field on site where they're working during the day. That's the most effective way of getting this information out in a timely fashion. And oh, by the way, how about training up some of the folks that already have some of the skills so they can actually teach those classes themselves that are actually in the labor force already. They make the best teachers. So there's a couple of different ways to approach this. But in my mind, one of the most important things our partners can do is offer internships so that students can take the classroom theory in that 18 to 24 year old population where they haven't had any real world exposure yet and take those theories and put them to practice where it actually matters. And that's at the work site. I would love to hear what you think are some of the, the major accomplishments so what are some great success stories that you've seen recently, whether it's collaborations, victories, you know, um, within the legislature, anything, and then some goals, some near-term goals that you're, you guys are really working towards? 
Well, I guess uh, what I'd say is that, you know, we're in the design phase. We're trying to literally come up with the new curriculum and the design of these certificates that are either embedded in existing programs of study or can overlay existing programs of study. It would be column postgraduate type work. So that's the near-term goal is really get things designed. And it's going to happen at the faculty level, working directly with our industry partners. And I think beyond that, it's it, it, it kind of coincident with that actually is the identification of the skills that are necessary amongst our various partners. So in other words, what do the end users need? Those needs define the skill sets. The skill sets then define the courses. So that's kind of where we are right now is through building our advisory committee on this topic and you know, helping define the, first the skill set. And then we already know what we've got on the shelf, so to speak. So what can I pull off from engineering? What can I pull off from my aviation program in terms of drone certification? What can I pull off? from let's say biology in terms of microbiology education that might benefit to folks that work in the field. So I think the point is we've got a lot of uh, material in inventory. What's different here is how do you create a different context for the delivery of that information so that you can get, make better use of it and have a broader audience that can benefit from it in terms of contextualizing the information we already have in our curriculum inventory, so to speak. And there may be, and there will be the need to of course, update that with the new technologies that come along. And, and how do you train the operators? It's not just training somebody how to drive a tractor anymore. It's how do you basically program uh, any number of different systems that will then benefit the, the grower and the workforce over time. You know, I'm still smiling thinking back to when you were talking about delivering the educational goods, as it were, directly in the field. And I still remember my, my years as a grower shipper when we wanted to do something differently. And I'd have the harvest supervisor look at me and go, yeah, but we ain't never done it that way before. <laughs> it yeah, is, that's just the beginning of my career. <laughs> yeah, so you're kind of sitting there with arg, <laughs> you know. Well, we're gonna do it now, but it's uh, you know, I I would throw out as a as a success, and I think you're right. There's design and there's setting up shop, but I certainly feel like we've centered the conversation. That uh, you know, people are not running around talking to. You know, if they were talking to 20 people, I don't think people are talking to 20 people because as, you know, as people come together, I mean, I think that opportunity is presenting itself. So I, so I, th I think that's of, of great value. I, I think I do, I do think industry also, and, th and this is just, I mean, been helpful today, just really understand how education needs and does work best. And, uh, you know, to hear this as sort of activities you're up to is, uh, I think, really encouraging. And the other thing is, and I, and I really believe this, if we had not uh, had our event in Reedley, in August, I'm, I'm not sure we would have had as many people in the room as needed to be in the room. And I think I think some things got really grounded in, in industry's needs. Yep. People listen and people continue that conversation. By the way, two more things that I didn't mention earlier. We're also going to be uh, working on delivering credit for prior learning. In other words, if you're in an existing workforce and you already have skills you've developed over the years, you shouldn't be made to sit through a class that's going to make you relearn everything you already know. So we've got a system in place that will be expanding to give you credit for prior learning, as well as utilize competency-based education. So it's not a traditional, you know, you got to spend X number of hours in a classroom and then take a test. In this case, you, you really uh, demonstrate competency with a given skill set, and then you move on. So that could either happen very quickly or it could take longer, depending upon your learning styles and the content that you're, you're actually facing. So we want to have flexible classroom experiences and non-traditional teaching methods that will help people learn more effectively and learn more completely, we hope. You know, doctor, you sound like you're somewhat cutting edge, you know, are you, you're running, are you running out there all by yourself or hopefully the system's working with you? 
I've enjoyed working with Chris Vitelli, who's superintendent president at Merced College. He's done a lot of this work, and I, I certainly need to speak for the other presidents here in the state center district. You know, Angel Reina at uh, Madera. We have, of course, uh, Marlon Hall, who's interim president at uh, Fresno City College, and my colleague uh, Lori Bennett at Clovis Community College. We all have different uh, pieces of this puzzle. Some of us may only teach manufacturing or industrial maintenance. Others of us actually have full-on ag programs. But uh, if you think about the grower-packer-shipper equation, we're able to cover pretty much all of that, especially when you plug in our districts to the south, like College of the Sequoias and West Hills. We've got a pretty impressive team of people with decades of experience in ag. So I'm very happy to simply be the spokesperson for all the talent pool that's out there that actually works directly with the students. Well, no, it's been terrific to hear about everything that's going on. Candice, do you, do you have anything else? I don't think so. I just think it's great. The collaborative nature of all of it is just super encouraging. And thank you so much for being part of Voices of the Valley. Thank you for the opportunity. It's been great. Yeah. You know, you're going to learn words like the intro and the outro, you know, as part of, part of the sponsors. So, so uh, we, we, we do appreciate your, your doing that. And after visiting with you, uh, not a particular surprise. It really uh, decided to, uh, to be supportive of what we're trying to do with Candace, which is to have a good conversations that benefit the industry. And it turns out our customer base is uh, pretty much the same. So uh, we're grateful for that. Doctor, nice to see you. And uh, I'll look forward to uh, my next visit over to Reedley. And, uh, you know, I like Reedley so much that I I even come during the summer, you know, and when you're a central central coast person, you know, when someone says Reedley in August, you're kind of, uh, and deal. Next time I'll meet you at Shaver Lake. How's that? I know a great there, there you go. Okay. I've, I've heard I've heard about that. You're on. So anyway, Doctor, terrific. Thanks very much for your for your Thank time. You Appreciate it. Thanks again, Doctor. Candace, it looks it looks like we did it again. And uh we'll uh, be back again uh, soon with another episode of Voices of the Valley. I'll be here. Good. I'll look forward to that. Thanks for listening to the Voices of the Valley podcast, brought to you today by Reedley College. To learn more about Reedley College's Agriculture and Natural Resources program and the courses offered in ag technology, food safety, and plant science, you can visit reedleycollege.edu.